Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Father, we thank you for the privilege to hear your word. We pray that you deposit yourself into us. We pray that speak your word to us. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Open the eyes of our heart that we may behold wondrous things in your word. As your word is taught, heal the sick. Bring direction to the confused. Save the lost. Lord, convict the sinner. Glorify your name. Let your power be demonstrated. Thank you. We subdue every work of the enemy. Every influence of hell. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we bring every argument and thought in captivity and obedience to the God's word. Thank you for liberty. Thank you for freedom. And thank you for distribution of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. What was I talking about last week? All right, saved by water. And what did I say about saved by water? Now, I spoke about the fact that Noah... All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7, verse, reading from verse, verse 23. Every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things, and creeping things and the fowl and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevail on the earth a hundred and fifty days. And the water prevailed on the earth a hundred and fifty days. Look at verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the water of the flood were upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the in the 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of the heaven were open and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights and the self same day and in the self same day Noah entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and three wives of his sons were with them in the ark. They and every, um, every beast after their kind, and they were in the ark, and verse 15, and verse 7 says that, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and creeping things, and the fowl of the air, for it repented me that I have made man. All right. So, the Bible talks about how Noah found grace before, before God. And the Lord told Noah in the verse 14, make me an ark. Let's all say, make me an ark. Make me an ark. Please say again, make me an ark. Make me an ark. And then he says that, 
um, verse 17 of Genesis chapter 6. And behold, I, even I, do bring flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shall come into the ark. Thank you, Jesus. So verse 17 says that God said, I will bring flood on the earth. And then chapter 7 speaks about how the waters prevailed. What waters? The waters of the flood. It prevailed on the earth. And every living thing in, whose, in whom there was breath of life was destroyed by God. Except Noah and all that were with him in the ark. When God was telling Noah to make the ark, he says that I'll bring waters upon it and I'll destroy all flesh. But I said, but, verse 18, but with you, I'll establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark. Those, Noah went into the ark and he was in a covenant with God. God said, I will destroy everything but you. We have to find out what kind of covenant it is. Very interesting. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Very interesting. He said, I will establish, uh, he said, I will establish my covenant with you, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and your family with you, because I want to establish my covenant. The ark, I told you, is the symbol of the church, and the, the waters were the flood of judgment, the flood of judgment that came against the the created things, the evil. I was explaining at the prayer meeting that men, men committed so much evil before God that the earth couldn't sustain the, the weight of evil. So God said, I'm going to destroy everything. But as I told you, that was in the first fall. There were four falls in the Bible. The first fall was when Adam and Eve ate the fruit which God said, don't eat. And they fell. In the spirit, they got disconnected from God. Was the second fall, I taught you. The second fall was Genesis chapter 4. When man had become so soulish and independent to the extent that they now decided to do their own thing outside of God. And Cain decided to have his own religion. He said, I will determine how I'm going to worship you. You can determine how I should worship you. Because man, was, man became full of the soul. It was in Genesis chapter 4 when men began inventions. They invented religion. They invented culture. They invented music. They invented weapons. But guess what? The first city built in the Bible was in Genesis chapter 4. These guys were achievers, but they were godless. It wasn't based on God's Genesis 4, 17, the first city built in the Bible in human history. The first city, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. Cain, you know Cain, the independent man, the one who doesn't have any regard for God. He bore Enoch, and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name 
of his son Enoch. What's the name of the first city? Enoch. City of Enoch or Enoch City. Just the way we have London City. City of London, New York City. Enoch City, City of Enoch. It was a city. The first one, do you know who built it? The Medra. He told God, why are you asking me on my brother's blood? Well, and he went and, so right away, you know, this is not of God. But you know what? Follow me very carefully. God created man for his purpose. When he created them in Genesis, the Bible said he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He created them in his image and in his likeness. So they were supposed to reflect God. When man was, we were supposed to reflect God. But when sin came in, we started reflecting the devil. That's why Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And Jesus calls them in Matthew chapter 23, verse 33, you brood of viper. Who was the viper? Who was the serpent? It's Satan. Jesus said, he said that, ye serpents. Genesis 1 talks about God. The key person there was God. Genesis 3 starts a new phase. The key person there was the, the, the devil. And Genesis 12 starts the new phase. And the key person was, was Yahweh. Genesis 1, the, it is Elohim, the self-existent God. He doesn't need anybody to be God by himself. So in the beginning, the Bible says God, the self-existent God. No relationship. He is God by himself. He created. And then Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that the serpent, the devil came in the likeness of the serpent. So the devil stepped in. He started a new phase of what God has done. And then in Genesis chapter 12, after Satan bringing all these problems, in Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says that, and God, and it is not, it is not the Elohim, but Yahweh. Yahweh is God as in, in his relationship with people. So the first one, God created, the devil deceived man to fall, and then God came and called man, Abraham. So God called Abraham to start a new race with Abraham. That's why we are the sons of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 4, God created us to reflect him. God created us to do his work. Watch this. He created us to reflect him and do things for him in the sense that, oh, oh, in Genesis chapter 2, listen to me, brothers and sisters. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says God formed a garden. Verse 8. He formed a garden east of Eden. He himself. And put, God planted a garden. And put man, he planted something. And what did he do? God planted a what? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. When it comes to the Bible, some key things are important. Life. The Bible is a book of life. But there are certain things that run from Genesis to Revelation. Building. Building. God's plan was for a city. He started with a garden. Cain, when he fell, he decided to build a city. His own city. Not the city of God. Because God, oh. You remember when God called Abraham? Bible says, are you ready for this? In Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 10. Shall we all read it from the screen? Let's go. This is talking about Abraham. Let's, let's go from, from there. Let's go. Abraham, our father, was looking for a city. 
Look at verse, verse, verse 16. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. Makata kataka. But now they desired a better country that is unheavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared for them a city. God has always from the beginning had a city in mind. So when he called Abraham, I told you, the call, the call, the call. When he called Abraham to leave, Abraham went looking for a city. Go to verse, verse, verse 10 again. Looking for, but which kind of city? Ah, are you ready for this? This is too good for me. I know you don't get it, but don't worry, you get it. <laughs> for, verse 10. For he waited for the city which, which had, which one? And whose maker and builder was God. No, King. The city, at the time of Abraham, listen, Abraham and Cain, the distance was not too great. But what I didn't get a chance, should I go, okay, should I tell you more about city? Because there's still a bit, you know, in Genesis there were two cities uh, before Abraham was called. Genesis chapter 11, chapter 11, Bible says that, and they came, they said, let's build a city. Ah, look at Genesis chapter 11, verse, from verse 1, verse 1. Now the whole earth was, uh, had one language and one speech. Go to the next verse. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the, in the land of Shina, and they dwelt there. Verse 3, that's where it comes. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them. They had bricks for stones, and they had asphalt for mortar. Go to the next verse. Go ahead. And, Watch this. And they said, come, let us build up. Let us do what? And what were they going to use to, to build the city? What? I can't hear you. Bricks. How do you get bricks? How do you get bricks? You do what? Pick the dust. Pick the clay. God has cared the ground. Has cursed the ground already. Pick the clay and, and put it through fire. Pick it. Drive life out of it and use it to build a city. The city of God is not made of bricks, but stones. Stones that we are... Oh! My, I told you I have a lot to share. In First Peter chapter 2, it talks about we are the living stone, lively stones. Pastor, he said to Peter, when Peter, Jesus said, who do men say I am? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And they said, you are Christ. And so someone said, you are the prophet. And then he said, who do you say, verse 16? And Peter said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, verse 17, flesh and blood, blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Then he went on to say that, I tell you, you are, verse 18, I say to you that you are Peter, which, is, which, which means a rock. But not a natural rock. It's like a brick. And on this rock, I'll build my church. Abraham looked for a city which had found. Revela- Would you mind to go to Revelations? Revelations, just write it because I don't have much time. Write it and let's follow the screen. Revelations chapter 21, verse 19. Hey, look at what I found out. Oh, are you not reading it? No, no, not read it for me. Just read it for yourself. Don't, don't, don't read it aloud. Read it in your head. Read it in your head. The foundation of the wall of this, Dr. Gale, the city of God were adorned with all kinds of fresh... Ah! 
precious what? God doesn't build with bricks. So Jesus told Peter, you are petrol upon this rock, rock, rock. Abraham was looking for a city which had foundation. And he says that the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The third foundation was jasper, the second was sapphire, the third was and a lot of other ones. Stones. That's why Peter says that ye, we are living stones, lively. First Peter chapter 2 from verse 5. He said, verse 5, 6 there, he talks about, he says that ye also are living, this is talking about believers, you are living stones. Ye, uh, so ye as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God, back to what I'm saying, this is just to, to let you know that, that in, the, in the second city that was built by man, it was a godless city. They made bricks and built it. They put it through fire. There was no life. God doesn't deal with that. God is a God of life. So he puts life and works with life. That is why Cain's sacrifice was not acceptable to God because he didn't have blood. And they said, let's build a city. And God looked at them and said, these guys. Man was, that's why after he scattered them, he called Abraham. So when Abraham was called, guess what? He was also looking for a city. Because God has programmed it in a man for a city coming. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, he said, you have come to the city of the living God. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, he says that, for, for, but ye have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. In Revelation chapter 22, Revelation chapter 22, verse, verse 3, verse 2 and 3, verse 2 and 3, he says that, and there shall be no more, chapter 21, verse 2, I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the first seven I passed away, and then, and then and he said, um, the, go to from verse one. All right. Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth for the first seven. All right, go to verse two. Verse two. And I just saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem is a holy city. It is a, someone shout, it's a city. Shout, it's a city. So back to Genesis. They were building cities in Genesis. Cain was the first person to build the city. But he was trying to mimic what God, because he was becoming so much like a devil, a devil always has to do a counterfeit. So, ooh, when they built stuff, and now their sins had got, that's the second fall. The second fall was Cain, trying to do his own thing, men, culture. And then the third fall was um, when, now, Genesis chapter 6, when man became so evil that God had to wipe away everything. But the fourth fall was when they tried to build a city with their own bricks. And God came and scattered them. So every now and then, man will try again. Man will try again. And then God will take an action. But man, oh, thank you, Jesus. But man will try again, and God will take an action. The, 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 the second action God took was very severe. That's the worst time. When man became very, very full, much full of evil. God said, I'm going to wipe out humanity. But I'm going to make a covenant with Noah. 
And then he made a covenant with Noah. When Noah emerged, when they came out after the flood, when they came out, do you know what Noah did the first time? He built. He built, he built an altar. Genesis chapter 9. Noah built, when they came out, he built an altar. He built an altar. But that altar was unto God. The ark was unto God. And it was the ark that saved Noah and his household. So when he came, he built an altar in worship to God. And after he built, finished building an altar, do you know what he built again? After his success, he rest, went to rest, and then he built a vineyard. <laughs> he said, chill out, boy. You have, you have worked hard. Yeah, chill out. And so he built a vineyard, and then the Bible said that he started drinking. He, had, he, he, drank, he drank the wine, but he overdrank it. Like when you overtalk. Don't you know that when you overtalk or overreact, you become naked? And the Bible said he was naked. I want to come back to God today. I'm talking about baptism. Noah, God told him that I'm going to wipe out everybody and save you and your household. So the, the ark saved Noah from the judging waters. Okay? But last week, we found out that the judging waters saved Noah from the polluted generation. The judging waters saved Noah from the world. The ark saved Noah from the judgment of God. So the ark is a, is, is a symbol of the church. I said the other time, the more you are in church, the more God saves you from the influence of the world. The less you are in church, the less, the more you find yourself doing things that actually you know deep in your heart you shouldn't be doing. The more you are saved. Yes, you are saved. You are saved. You are saved, but you don't have the strength to say no to some stuff. You are saved, but you look so much. That is why people have problems. He calls himself a Christian. You go to church, but look at him. Yes, he's actually saved, though. He's actually saved. You get, get busy condemning. He's actually saved. I'm not saying coming to church is what saved you, but you, getting into Christ is what saves you. Staying in the church is what saves you from the world. Christ is what saves you from the wrath of God. Church is what will save you from worldliness. First Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Verse, let me start from by 19. By which, he, by which he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Verse 20 which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God awaited in the days of what? Noah. Okay. Awaited in the days of While the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Say, eight souls were saved by water. Eight souls were saved. Please say it again. Eight souls were saved. Say eight. Eight souls. Say eight. Eight. <laughs> should I comment on that or we should move on? <laughs> we will come back to the saved by water. But how many people were saved by water? Eight souls. In, I think in Genesis chapter, um, 
chapter 8, Bible talks about how the 4. Genesis 8:4. Genesis 8:4. Then the ark rested, rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mount, mountains of Ararat. The ark rested. This is quite profound. Normally, I, I, would say, I would have said this in Easter. Because the ark resting, the ark took them from judgment and brought, by the, do you know when, by the time they came out of the ark, it's a new world. If any man be in Christ, oh, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. I don't have too much time, but watch this. In Romans chapter, we'll come back. Uh, just, I'm going so that you can get, you see, I want the scripture to talk for itself. So it's not just ideological, but it's scriptural. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Oh. Listen to what baptism does for us. Therefore, we were buried. Eh? We were what? Buried. We were what? Buried. Who are the we? We Christians were buried. Uh, are you buried? Yeah. But you are here. Yeah. You're not buried. Oh, come on. You see the Bible? It doesn't make sense. That's why I told you. That, 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 that lecture will tell you. That's why I told you. This is all nonsense. This is all rubbish. It's all rubbish. That's a rubbish man talking. It's all rubbish. <laughs> you know, normally, uh, when people are drunk, uh, they think you are not working straight. <laughs> Therefore, we were buried with him. Who is the him talking about? We were buried with Christ through how? Baptism. If you are not baptized, it's a serious matter. We were buried with Christ through baptism. How? Into death. So when you are being buried, you enter death. Why? That just as Christ was raised from the dead, the resurrection happened to Christ by the glory of God, even so we also should enter resurrection. Very important. And here he said, newness of life. So, when, when a Christian is being baptized, please listen, baptism does not save you. Okay? I'm not talking about baptismal regeneration. In other words, because you are baptized, you are saved. No. Baptism does not save you, but baptism is a confirmation of something that has happened in your life, and you are now bringing, living it out to have an impact, an effect on your physical living. It says that we went into burial with Christ, through uh, burial through baptism, okay, with Christ, so that as Christ resurrected, so when you go under the water, when you come up, ah, when you come out, you have entered into newness of life, which is the same as Christ's resurrection, which is the same as Noah after the flood, after the flood, eh, when they came through the flood, they came out into a new world. And as we read earlier on, can, I was showing you something in Genesis. The, the ark rested on the mount of Ararat on the 17th day of the month, of the seventh month. In, in Jewish times, they have two, like the way we, we have different, we have the uh, calendar month, we have the um, uh, 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 academic month, academic year, tax year, 
That's the same as financial year. So when you talk about the financial year, it, it, the first month of the financial year is different from the first month of the calendar year, which is different from the first month of the academic year. In Jewish times, they had two types of year calendars. They had the, the normal civil calendar and they had the sacred calendar. Now, what was the civil calendar? It's the normal one that we all count. What was the sacred calendar? The sacred calendar is when they were about to leave Egypt. God told them that every house should have a lamb. Say lamb. lamb. Every house should have a lamb. And then on the tenth day of the lamb, let's take the lamb. And they said, keep it the lamb for four days. Exodus chapter 12. Keep the lamb for four days. And then at twilight, the, on, the, on the fourth day, on the fourth day, which happens to be what day of the month? The month. So take the lamp on the tenth day of the month. Keep it for four days. And after the fourth day, on the fourth day, kill it. What month? What day of the month? Fourteenth day. Fourteenth day, kill the lamb for your Passover. So they killed the lamb on the fourteenth day. So and it became a tradition across Jewish history. Every year, the Passover falls on a certain day. Okay, now. What, what, what day did Noah, Noah's act, what day of the man did it rest? Seven. The 17th day. Jesus was killed on the Passover day. He was killed on the 14th of the month, which happens to be the sacred month. This is the seventh month, is, happens to be the civil month. It happens to be the first month, this month happens to be the first month of the sacred month calendar. And so this month, the day the ark rested on the uh, mountain was the same day of the month Jesus resurrected from the dead. It's resurrection. It's resurrection. The same day. And so watch this. Noah's ark resting on the mount was a reflection, was talking about the resurrection of Christ. What did they do for them to resurrect? They went through the waters of judgment, which symbolizes baptism, according to Peter. It symbolizes baptism. And they came after baptism, you come up into newness of life. And we also are being buried with Christ through baptism, the water that saves, through baptism, that when we also come out, we come out in, on the Mount Ararat <laughs> into resurrection. Now, back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Let me finish it there. I'll show you something. You have to be baptized. First Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Please put it on the screen for me. So there were, it were eight souls. Eight is the number of resurrection. Wow. Eight. Do you know what? Jesus Christ, on, according to John chapter 20, you don't have to turn to it, you can just write it. According to John chapter 20, verse 1. Okay, you can put it on the screen, doesn't matter. Go tell it. John chapter 20, verse 1. Bible says that on the first day of the week, when? How many of you agree with me that the first day of the week happens to be the eighth day of the previous week? The first day of the week happens to be the eighth day of the previous week, which also happens to be the day after God rested. The Bible says on the seventh day God rested. And then we were created on the sixth day to enter God's rest so that the eighth day, that is why the early church started Sunday service not on a Saturday. The church service was on a Sunday in the early church. 
because it wasn't the Sabbath, but it was the day of resurrection. That's where Sunday service started from. Sunday service didn't start because of Sabbath day, because Sabbath day is Saturday. So why don't we meet on Saturday and we are rather meeting on Sunday? Because Sunday, we are the Sunday people. We are the resurrection people. Sunday is the sign of the resurrection. He resu- Have you ever had Easter where the resurrection was celebrated on a Saturday? We are the resurrection people. That's why the first day of the week, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he said on the first day of the week, set aside according to what God has blessed you and come and bring to God money. <laughs> and in some parts of the New Testament, the first day of the week is also called, uh, in the New Testament, is also called the lost day. Let's go back to First Peter. I need to finish on that because that's, that's the crux of the message. Oh, and I have to go to Noah and the covenant. Oh, First Peter chapter 3, the same text, verse 20. So, and only a few, that was um, a, a few, that is eight souls were saved through water. It, they needed the water for their salvation. Don't forget this. I'm going to show you something. Go to the next verse. Where do we come in? There is also an antitype. Um, let's use a different version. Let's see. Maybe NIV. It may not use antitype. That's good. And this symbolizes this is what baptism that now saves you also. Noah's ark, when they came out, Bible says that it symbolizes baptism that saves you also. So you also have to go through baptism because Jesus said in the days of Noah, people were not thinking about the things of God. They were marrying and being given to marry and eating and drinking. They were not doing anything God. They were just living. So Jesus referred to us that remember the day of the days of Noah. Now, baptism also saves you. You mean baptism saves somebody? Baptism. Baptism doesn't save. Because if it takes baptism to be saved, ah, pastor, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you because Acts 16, 31. So they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Okay, now, this is how we get saved, by believing. Now go to Mark 16, 16. Mark 16, 16. Let's already read it out loud from the screen. He who believes and is Louder, please. He who believes and is You see the baptism there? He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe is, will be condemned. So what if you believe and you are not baptized? Remember, Noah and his folks, they were saved through water, which is like... So baptism saves but to what extent? Oh, baptism saves, but to what extent? Does this, baptism does not save us from the judgment of God. It's the blood of Jesus that saves us from the judgment of God. Baptism saves us from the influence of the world. Baptism is, and you are beginning to live out outwardly the ex- internal experience of salvation that you have received. You are beginning to live it out. Listen, if you are not baptized, it's not the best though. There is a difference between John's baptism and the baptism, Jesus, the believer's baptism. What's the difference? The John, John baptism was a baptism of repentance according to John chapter 1 verse 4 and according to Acts chapter 19 verse 3 and 5. Let's go to Acts. I prefer the Acts 19. Acts 19. But when Paul met them, he said, into what then? Verse 2, look at verse 2. Paul said, verse 2, 
please work with me. He said, did you receive the Holy Ghost? They said, no, we don't know about that. Then he said, uh, 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 uh. so he said to them, we have not, they said, you have not heard anything about it. Okay, go to the next verse. Then he said, into what then were you baptized? And what did they say? John's baptism. What did Paul say? Then Paul said, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. It's a, it's a baptism. It is not a it's not a baptism. It's not the baptism to identify with death of Christ, burial of Christ, and resurrection. It's just repentance. Turning away from your old ways and saying, God, yes. And the Jews were all coming to be baptized and be ready to work with God before Jesus could do his work on them. So John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, but the believer's baptism is a baptism of identification. Watch this. Identification with the burial, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So Colossians chapter 2 verse 12, Colossians chapter 2 verse 12, it would be nice if we all read it out from the screen. Let's read it. Let's go. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. What does it mean that when Jesus died and was being buried, he wasn't buried alone? Someone else was buried with him. Who am I talking about? If you are born again, Bible says that we were buried with him, but you have to actualize it through baptism. You have to actualize it through baptism. Buried with him through baptism in which you were also raised. Ah, he didn't stay under there. He didn't stay in the grave. He was resurrected. So if we were buried with him, it stands to imply that we were also raised together with him. And guess what? We were seated together with him. We are seated, we were raised and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Say Noah. So Noah's baptism, there are two types of baptism the Bible spoke about. The Noah's baptism, like in the and the, if someone asks you what was what's the biggest Noah's baptism was the longest. Baptism ever. <laughs> it's for 40 days. Through water and it stayed for 150 days. Baptism. Can you imagine going through water for that long? Longest. And the biggest baptismal pool was <laughs> no 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 West baptismal pool. Hallelujah. Amen. The whole world was no West baptismal pool. But they were not, in the Old Testament, it wasn't only Noah who went through the baptism. Somebody else also went through baptism. And that was Moses and the Israelites. They were, the Bible said they were baptized into Moses as they went through the Red Sea. According to Exodus chapter 14, verse 22, look at it on the screen. Oh, I feel, I just feel like preaching. And, and interestingly, I haven't actually gotten to half of what I'm going to talk about. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea. Ah, this is a conundrum, or this is an oxymoron. How can you go into the midst of the sea on dry ground? Midst of sea and dry grounds, they don't go together. It should be very wet, and not even wet, it's just water. But they went in the midst of the sea, okay, on the dry ground, and the waters 
were a wall to them on right uh, on their right hand and on their left hand. And in the same way, uh, in the verse 29, look at verse 29. Verse 29 says that, but the children of Israel had uh, of Israel had walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall. On, uh, the guys did. You walk on dry grounds. In the midst of any sea, the enemy targets and brings your way. You walk on dry grounds. Now, what has that got to do with us? Watch this. What has that got to do with that? Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Who? 1 Corinthians verse 2. Look at this. This one we all have to read it. Let's all read it together. Let's go. In the cloud. Where were they? They were baptized in the cloud and in the sea into Moses. So when they passed through the sea, it was a form of baptism. What kind of baptism? Our type of baptism. It separated them permanently from Pharaoh. Pharaoh. The, that baptism didn't save them from the judgment of God that came against Egypt. It was the blood of redemption on their doorpost. That saved them. said, when I see the blood, Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over. So it is the blood of redemption that saved them on the 14th day of the month. If you remember, it was the blood that saved them. But guess what? Guess what? The animal, the lamb they killed, Bible says, stay in the house and eat the flesh of the animal. Why? Because the next day you are about to go and travel and you need the strength. So the animals meat, the, 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 the food they ate was to move out of Egypt. When they moved out of Egypt, Pharaoh said, you are not going anywhere. How many of you know that Pharaoh doesn't want you to go? That's why as soon as you said, now I want to be born again. I want to serve God in church. Your boyfriend who left you said, you know what, can we come together? <laughs> because Pharaoh will not let you go. Tell someone, Pharaoh will not let you go. But what will separate you from Pharaoh is the water of baptism. Is that, okay, Pastor, but I'm already baptized. What's going on? You have to, every now and then, keep applying the baptismal effect on your life. The water of baptism. So then when they went to the Red Sea, Pharaoh said, these guys, they are not going anywhere. But the Red Sea was the water of judgment. It was baptism for them, but the water to separate Pharaoh from them permanently. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. Egypt was a type of the world. When they went through baptism, so the Bible says that they passed, they also experienced, watch this, ah, ah, they, they also went through baptism. They experienced redemption. But what, the, the difference between these guys' own and Moses, uh, Noah's own is Noah's own, after the flood, God told Noah, you know before the flood, he said, my covenant is with you. So God told Noah, I will never, I will never destroy humanity with flood again. Look at Genesis chapter 29. Verse number 15. Before then, let's go to verse number, let's say, um, the, God, the Lord God blessed, verse 1, the Lord God blessed Noah and said, be fruitful. And more. Did you see that? God said, be fruitful and more. Did you see that? And verse 1, Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. And, and God blessed Noah and said, and said to Noah, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the Is this the same thing he said to Adam and Eve when he created them and said them? So 
The second time God said be fruitful and multiply was after Noah came out because everything has gone to ground zero. God is kind of through Noah starting afresh. But the difference between Noah and Adam was Adam was completely innocent, but Noah had still had the nature, possibility of the nature of the serpent, a human being. So that was the difference. So even though God said be fruitful and multiply, Noah went and got drunk. I mean, he was still fruitful and multiplying. But he went and got drunk. Because Adam wouldn't have gotten drunk. All he did was disobey God by eating. Noah, he didn't have to even disobey God or anything. He just, and from that time, Noah's time, God, inst- oh, God instituted human government. When you read it, I don't, time will not permit me. He said that anyone who shed blood would die by the sword or so as well. And God instituted, so Noah was given the, like, the, the uh, authority to be God's deputy, to deputize for God in ruling, in government. That is why when he fell asleep naked and the guys went to watch his nakedness, one of his sons, and he went and made mockery, he made mockery of Noah. When he got up, Noah should have said, oh, please, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. No. When he got up, he said, curse be the one who lacked at me. Blessed be the one who covered me. And God said, that's prophetic. That's good. Why? Because he was in a place of authority. God has them. And the guy shouldn't have laughed at Noah. When you see the nakedness of authority, it is an, a test ready for your blessing or your curse. I, time will not permit me. I can go further and further, but I don't want to deviate too far. Noah made himself, planted a vineyard, got wine and drank. Be careful after your success. How you relax after success. Be careful. Some of us, we do better in harsh conditions. That's why God hasn't answered some of the prayers. Because some of you, as soon as you get married, you won't come to church again. It's true. Some of you, as soon as you become that business owner, employing 300 people. When you come, you won't listen to the ushers. I'll be preaching and you'll get up and say, no, my time is up. I have a plane to catch. I'm going. So God has to delay it because the problem is when you succeed. My pastor said this years ago, he said, everybody in prison is usually humble. When you are desperate for a child, there's nothing. When we start declaring blessing, you will lie down. I receive! I receive! I receive! I receive! When you had a child, as soon as it's time to get, start the blessing, then you pick the baby from the casket and then put it on your lap. Amen. <laughs> Bible says that Remember, when you have, after you have eaten and you are full, Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says that after you have eaten and you are full, remember that it is the Lord who gives you power to make wealth, that he might establish his covenant, not to decorate you, but to establish his covenant. The blessing of God is for the purpose of God. All right, enough of that one. Noah. So he drank. And when you are drunk, it's not good, though. And so he 
Bible said, and he was naked, lying in his tent. And his younger, youngest son went into the tent and he saw his father. <laughs> oh, daddy. I'm sure he even went and played with his daddy. <laughs> and after he had his father, he went and called his brother. He finished watching and he came and said, ah, Daddy's lying there naked. And there are two sons that they took a garment. It's in the Bible. Oh. They took a garment and the one put it on his shoulder. The other one also put it on his shoulder. They started going backwards. They didn't want to watch their father's nakedness. They went, they went, they went. And then when they got to where their father was, covered him. And then they went back up. The man lying down was a spiritual authority. Was a spiritual authority who had, had a personal covenant with God. He had been exposed in a way that is not right. It's not good. But it doesn't undermine the fact that he's a man who carries a covenant with God. He had a covenant with God. God said, but you, with my covenant is with you, not with you and your people. With you. No, my covenant is with you. And when they came out of the, the flood, he told him how governance should obey. Pray. God delegated his authority to him on earth that you now deputize for me. And he also was so free, he went and ate and got drunk. And then you go and laugh him. When he woke up from his sleep, and he knew what his son had done, he began to issue curses. And guess where the curse went? The son of the son who went, not even him directly, but his sons. His son. He said, curse be Canaan. And then he said, blessed be. He blessed the sons who covered his nakedness. And God said, that is what my authority is supposed to be like. And God didn't, was not angry. He didn't say sorry to God. He didn't say sorry to his sons. But he rather declared blessings. God said, it's upheld. Noah. Noah. Be careful, though. Never enjoy and never get involved in the negative issues. <laughs> in the negative issues about a man of God. And you know, when you are in secondary school, some scriptures are powerful. Then someone slaps a negative connotation to it, such that you can't use it. Like when you hear people tell you, hey, you have to give your tithe. You have to give it every time. You have to give your tithe. And they make fun of it. The next time someone says you have to give your tithe, immediately you don't see this. You don't hear the scriptural one. What you hear is the story, the negative one. So I was telling my Bible what I saw. It blew my mind. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Wept. Wept. And he says that your sons... Because you have rejected the prophets, your sons. I see also, uh, Matthew 23. Hey, the things that he was dealing with Pharisees. And then he started talking about, you have killed the prophets. And he said, you will never see my face again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. <laughs> and the, the, the judgment was towards the next generations. God gave me a surge of insight about the God's appointed vessel. And the illustration I gave them was when you are in a plane, you are in a plane, and everybody is feeling dizzy. 
in a plane because some gas came in. But you need a particular gas. Other than you feel dizzy for a while, about maybe after two or three hours before you settle down. And sometimes if you don't take it, you may even pass up, but you won't die. And you, everybody is feeling dizzy. And there is this particular tablet, a few of, that you have to take to stabilize your dizziness. And you, you have your children in a plane. And you want to give them some of the tablet. But the air hostess said, wait, we need to give one to the pilot. What would you do? What would you do? No, 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 my children first. My children first. <laughs> hey, the pilot is dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> the pilot is dizzy. Sustain his life and you will land. <laughs> it's serious. This is how people endanger their generations. Some of us are suffering things because of things our parents, your mother, your father did against the work of God or did said against the man of God. You see, this is oh, all this, this they, they just intimidate. No, please. I think you are so intelligent that you have to just read through the line and just choose what you believe. But later on, we will all see the results. But one of the things I found out from the text, which was very scary. Matthew 23, just put it on the screen. Matthew 23, verse 35. Let's start from verse 35. Go to verse 34. Therefore, indeed, I send, watch this. I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. And some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. The people God is sending, he said you will do that to them. That's human nature. Go to the next verse. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, sons of Barakai, son of Barakai, who you murdered between the... From Abel, the blood that was shed. When you reject a prophet and you kill a prophet, and God said that their blood will come upon you. That's a fun He said that, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth. I'll send you people, prophets. I'll send you teachers. And you'll reject some of them. You'll crucify some of them. You'll punish. And it says that so that the blood of these people shed in their past. Go, go to the next verse. This is serious. Assuredly, I, I say to you, all the, this is Jesus speaking. All this will come, come, will come upon this generation. Go to the next verse. Watch this. Watch this. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who killed the prophets. And stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather what? Gather what? Gather what? My what? As the hand gathers the, the chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Deep. I said, my God. He said, you attack the prophets. I actually wanted to secure the future of your children. But you didn't win. Because you just dealt with this naked Noah. The thing is serious. Look at the next verse. This one blew my mind. I was screaming in my room. See your house is left to you desolate. Your house shouldn't be left desolate. But because of your attitude towards the prophet God sends you. Is it not what I was sharing, Pastor? I was blown. This thing is serious. And I was telling them, learn how to pray for your, the man God has sent you into your life before you even pray for your children. 
It is deep. Not everyone will accept it, but that's fine. Don't. 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 Learn how to pray that God, this man you have sent into my, my life, let your grace be upon him. Preserve him. Protect her. Preserve her. Protect her. Oh Lord. And automatically your children will be covered. <laughs> it's about the next generation, not you. God sends prophet to you for the sake of your next generation. In a prayer meeting, an insight, and then I had, had pray for your prophet before your children. And I was about how can this be? So I tried to explain it, and by just when I went home, I wasn't looking for a scripture. I was just my normal. The thing messed me up. Yesterday I was walking. This is too heavy on me. Look at the next verse, verse 39. I'll, I'll have to move from there. Ah, let's all read it together. You shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes. Blessed is he. Not cheap, what is he? Not what is he who is coming in the name of the Lord. Blessed. You just give the person who is coming in you. So I told them that God will always give you the opportunity to know his hand is upon a person. First of all, it's God's responsibility. He will let you know that his hand is on a person. And you can't blind your mind to it because he knows how to get your attention to that. The Bible said they all were amazed at Jesus. And they said, what gracious words is this man speaking? Then they switched. Before they switched, they knew there's something unusual upon the man. So it wasn't like they didn't know and they treated him ordinary. God will give you opportunity to know that this man, there's something on him. And then once you see what's on him, it is your job to begin to treat the person differently. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He said, if you don't do that, there's no way you can see my face. Whatever I have to do for you, it can't happen until. What is it? Read it again. Let's read it. Put your hands. Let's go. Blessed is he Noah. Anytime you see the nakedness of a man of God, it's a test. It's a test not from, from the man, but from God to you to determine whether you are migrating into a blessing or moving into a cursed state. Pastor O said that about three years ago. I didn't understand it that deep. She said, anything that happens to a man of God, it's a test for the people who are around him. It's not a man. It's a test for the people who are around him. To move into another phase of life. Wow. I mean, hey, listen. Most of you here always hear negative things about pastors. It's the devil's hot spot. He loves it. <laughs> he loves it. But haven't you noticed how lucrative it is? For us to love to hear negative things about pastors. It's not the one you don't, you haven't attested that the hand of God is upon you. The one you know that this one, the one the hand of God is upon you. Suddenly, oh me, hmm. Hmm. this man of God, hmm. this man of God, I don't like them all. Hmm. Hmm. He's always talking about this. They always say, he's all this, all this. What, what gets me very bad is when people say all this thing they are doing is about money. Yes. To be honest. I can understand sometimes people take it a bit far and they do that. I don't 
understand when you say you are a pastor, but you want to be living comfortable like everybody. Maybe your calling will mean you have to go and live in somewhere because of the assignment on your life. I, I, I can't be hoping to be going holidays, flying all over the world, going to Dubai, going here like others because my calling may cannot afford it or may, it's not, may, may not be part of... I, the point I'm making is that I, if you say you are a pastor, be ready for a certain hard, different life. If you want to be a man of God, young man, you believe you are a man of God, young man, and you want to choose a wife. Don't choose a wife based on the body or these things. What is wrong with you? You may like those things, but listen, when you are called, you have been relegated to his, uh, sentence to life imprisonment. So the test may be there, but you have to forget about it. Forget about it. It may never come to you. So what are you going to do? Stay with what comes within your proximity for your future. Why must a young man wanting to do ministry looking for a, a, a woman who looks a certain way, certain way, sexy way to determine your, your wife? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. And those of you who are already married and you are in ministry, listen, the earlier you are satisfied with your wife, the better. Because you either fail in life or you take her like that and concentrate and move forward. My wife is like this. My wife is doing like this. She like, hey, you are a cold man. Forget about all those rubbish like this. You need a wife who will help you to do, fulfill God's calling. Not a wife for sexual reasons. Every woman is a woman. It is the images you have on your mind. You've watched all kinds of rubbish. A minister of the gospel. Deal with that test. Deal with that test. Deal with that test. That's the truth. Deal with the test. Pastor, I don't know why. I find women like this so... I don't know. Nowadays, my wife... Hey, hey, take it off your mind. You have to fast and pray and fight that thing. And stop fueling where the ideas come from. Because most of us have all kinds of ideas which came from the world. Perverted people. Perverted ideas. Because of all kinds of movies and things you've watched. You want to live it because the thing looks amazing. And you now you want to live it so you are in a problem because your wife or your husband cannot perform those activities. I told you I didn't want to go into this here. That is why you need the baptism of Noah to separate you from the world. Your problem is the worldliness. Is the worldliness. The worldliness will drive godliness out of you any day. And you are too proud. It's too important. Your life is at stake. You can't be saying, I'm bad, I don't mind, I don't care. I can do 120 on any road in UK. I don't care. Once there's no, I don't care. No, listen, you, are, you have children in the car. You are being irresponsible. Oh, no, leave me alone. I mean, that's I've always done it. No, no. In, first of all, in spite of the fact that you've always done it like that, doesn't mean it's what you're doing is right. You're actually jeopardizing your life and other road users and the people who are traveling with you. So when we talk to you, just please humble yourself and try and see the reason, even if not the spirit. 
the reason behind what is being said. I mean, no, no one can tell me anything. That's why your life is like that. Anyone who tells me, no one can tell me what to do. Your life is a mess. And will continue to be a mess. Because we all need someone to tell us what to do. We all need it. It doesn't matter what age you are at, how intelligent and what you know. We all need someone to tell us what to do. When you got, you remember when you got your new iPhone? Didn't you need someone to show you, okay, this is how it does. This how, we all need someone to tell us. So what makes you think that when it comes to spiritual things, I read enough of the Bible, I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. That tells you, you actually don't know their scriptures. You err because you do not know the scriptures. I think Matthew 22, 29 or so. You err, yeah, 22, 29, I suppose so. Because you know not the scriptures. Let's see, Matthew 22, 29. You err. Jesus answered and said, you do err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Oh, someone say Noah. Noah. Pastor, I wanted to talk about the covenant and the rainbow. And minister, I wanted to talk about the covenant that God made with Noah. And he, he vowed that he would never destroy humanity with water again. And he said, anytime you see the rainbow, it means that my covenant is still... So do you know the rainbow, there's rainbow in Revelation? Yeah. Around the throne of God, there's rainbow. That means that he will not use flood to destroy humanity again, but he has to judge. So he said that I saw now, we go through the water of um, purification. In the temple, when you are going to the temple, at the tabernacle in the temple, the tabernacle, there is the brazen lever. Okay, brass. Brass is a sign of it stands for judgment. It contains water. Before the brass, the brazen labor, there is this altar of sacrifice. That's where we bring the sacrifice for forgiveness. So Christ's life, Christ's blood takes care of our sins. But how about the brazen labor? I didn't finish first, Peter. It says that it, that is, it washes us from a, a, a first Peter, first Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Hmm. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Not the removal of death from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Christ. Baptism saves you. It's not what makes you go to heaven, but the pledge of a good conscience in your dealing with God. The world hasn't defiled you. Baptism saves. But as I begin to bring it to an end, listen. God said, I won't judge humanity again with water. So now he's, he did it by fire. Yeah. Fire. Someone say fire. Fire. Mm -hmm. Fire. He brought fire on earth to be judging people. Fire. Fire. And revelation is fire. Now in revelation, he combined fire and water. So in Revelation chapter 4. Oh! Uh, okay, let me, uh, uh, let me show you. Revelation chapter 4, verse 3. Verse 2. Verse 2. Look at this. Revelation 4. It said, Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, on the throne of heaven. And what? One sat on, verse 3. Let's go verse 3. Verse 3 is the one I'm looking for. And he who sat on the throne was like jasper and, and sardis stone in appearance. And there was what? A rainbow around the throne 
and in the appearance. Uh, all right, so that's the rainbow rather. Go to the verse 6. Verse 6, verse 6, verse 6. Before the throne, there was what? A sea of glass, like crystal. It's as, as clear as crystal. And in the midst of the throne, around and around the throne were 420. So before the throne, there was a sea of what? Glass. The sea that is so plain, you can see, it's like glass. Look at chapter 15, verse 2. I'm, I'm now beginning to end. It said, the Revelation TV said, And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. So now, both water and fire. Before, remember that before the throne, there's a rainbow. Reminding God, I won't destroy it flat. But now this one is sea. How can you have sea of fire? Sea, sea and fire mingled. So I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. How can fire be mixed with sea? <laughs> and those who have victory over the beast, over his image and over the mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having halves of God. Listen to, are you ready for this? Go to the next verse. And they sang. Watch this. What did they do? I can't hear you. The servant of God. And not only the song of Moses, but what? When they came out of the Red Sea, Bible says the guys sang to God, pointing to the Red Sea experience and the Lamb experience, who detaches us from Egypt and helps us through his baptism. Because the Bible says that Jesus came and brought baptism. So they sang the song, the song, they sang the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. That's the song we have. This, we have been set free from the pollution and the control of the world. We have a song. But they were standing on the sea of glass and singing. And singing. And God said, I will not. So when God made the covenant with Noah that I will not destroy the flood again, he now, Sodom and Gomorrah, he used fire. And when you study the scriptures, so many references of fire, people will burn in fire, fire will come, fire will come, but he never said flood will come anymore. Because around the throne was the rainbow. The covenant with Noah is still valid. In conclusion, do not underestimate the power of baptism. According to Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, it said, I am crucified with Christ. So I have to die with him. Okay, so identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ through baptism. So I got myself baptized, and now that I have been baptized, I enter, it's just like landing on Mount Ararat. I enter into the resurrection life, leaving it from within. And that it's my conscious, it must be my conscious effort, staying in the church ark, and always living in union with Christ, serving in church and walking the walk, and that saves me from the world. So that when we all appear before the throne of grace, we can also sing the song, the song of the Lamb. If since you became born again, you have not been baptized, please, you need to. 
You need to register. I think there's baptism coming one of these days. You need to register. Let's get you baptized. Oh, but I don't want people to think that. Who, who are the people? <laughs> it's what God thinks about you that matters. Don't form your own religion. You become like Cain, and you end up trying to build a city. <laughs> don't drive out the life of God from what God is trying to do with your life. You are supposed to be a stone, not a brick. Amen. Did you receive something at all? Put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you are not saved, you are not safe because life is dangerous. Life is not under your command. I don't see why I should end this service without giving you an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, pastor, pray with me because I want to have this bread. It means I want to put all my confidence in him, all my hope in him. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is your genuine desire, just lift up your hand and say this after me. Say it genuinely from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I ask you, to forgive my sins. Wash me with your blood. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross to save me. From today, I will serve you. I believe in you. I put all my hope in you. I put my faith in you as my Lord and personal Savior. I receive you into my life. I make a vow with you that I will serve you all the days of my life. Satan, get behind me. I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Your word says that you know your sheep and your sheep know your voice. No one can come to you except your father brings him. I pray that let your grace be upon them. Help them to be strong. I pray that the grace of God will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and help you to be a strong Christian. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.